We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 PGA Championship. DraftKings picks, millionaire maker preview, strategy, we got it all coming for you. A reminder to share the show around, please, whether it be on the Twitter machine, Facebook, maybe you just cold email people the link and get them to click on it. They'll probably think it's spam, but it's not. It's the Pat Mayo Experience. So help us out there. Smash a like to the episode down in the description. Give me your two favorite plays below $7,000 at Southern Hills this week. And reminder to sub to Mayo Media Network. And if you want to get into a draw for cold, hard cash, multiple winners of $100 cold, hard cash, you need to subscribe, rate, and review the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast on Apple Podcasts. Even if you've done it before, you get yourself back in the draw, five stars, something you enjoy about the show twitter handle or email and boom you are in that draw the newsletter is down in the description they'll have more giveaways inside of the newsletter plus pertinent info if anything changes you'll want to be on that email list listeners league it's down there six thousand spots this week ninety thousand dollars of guaranteed rake free money let's fill it up so that doesn't go away ever that's what we want ninety thousand dollars of rake free guaranteed money on DraftKings 3 max entry $15 to play highly suggest that you go check that out fantasynational.com slash mayo for 20% off the stats the simulator the lineup generator ownership projections it's all up there once again fantasynational.com slash mayo joined in studio by toe tag and tambo Tyler Tambellini on the line with Ben Raza from awesomeo.com fellas it is one of the more difficult tournaments, I think, uh, at least just from an overview. It's like, oh, yeah, I like all these guys. Now what do I do? 
Yeah, it's always going to be tough in a major. We talk about this, and so we're happy to be back on with you here again. Last time, uh, we'll talk about Scotty Scheffler when we get there, but it was at the Masters. Obviously, Scheffler goes on to get the job done, dunk on all of us up at the top price. He's there again. But this major, like you said, Pat, it's a course. Anything you're bringing in, like I don't know about Alex Checo winning the senior championship, how much we can bring across from something like that, but goes way, way back. And then on top of it, like you said, you have the softer pricing. you got all the guys that we like, and there's a story to tell for everyone. Of course, we'll see how the AT&T Byron Nelson wraps up. That'll have some, some ownership. Uh, you know, sort of uh, come across from there as well. But we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Yeah, Ben, what are your instincts on this? Because, like, I'm looking at it right now. I feel like I know who people are going to go to at the bottom of the board. But just the very top, it doesn't seem like one guy really stands out for the price point, honestly. Yeah, I think when you get to the bottom of the board, there are so many plays that, that have so many red flags. When you get a guy that just feels underpriced, he becomes a lightning rod up top you can make a, a pretty strong case for all of them because they're the world's best. And then the big difference between this and, and the masters, of course, is at least with the masters, we have a course every year that we are used to seeing. This adds a new element of that. Obviously we don't play this every year. So just one more variable that we're going to have to try to decide how to attack. Any tips for people entering the $25 millionaire maker Tambo? Because you, you gave me some 444 strategy a little bit earlier before we came on air. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to play in that one. <laughs> yeah, the difference maker to that, just to bring it up right quick, is I think in the higher dollar, uh, smaller field stuff, I think there's actually an opportunity with how hard this course looks like it's going to play that you could have some five or sixes get to the top again just because placement points will be so important. I think you still want to take that into mind in something like the $25, I think keeping sort of a, a tighter pool, getting guys that you actually think, Almost like I said to you outside pre-show, Brooks Kepka-esque of back in the day. Let's cut off these guys that we don't think have any chance here and just focus on the guys that can top 20. And what I think, one last strategy uh, tip there, because we have a show coming out soon, the three of us together, but just to drop it, we didn't talk a ton about majors. One thing for here is people want to play all their guys and, oh, I thought the I wanted to save them for this event, all that. I think the bottom, that 6K range, will get used quite a bit. And I think you could actually, in some lineups, just avoid it altogether and finish in the 7K range and just forget some of those plays down below. Well, that's not going to help people in the comment section who are leaving their two favorite plays below $7,000. <laughs> Still do that, by the way. Ben, do you tell yourself a story about the lineups that you want to go through here? I know that you like to skill stack, you know, put all the short hitters with short hitters, best long iron players with long iron players, bombers with bombers. But for this, uh, I just did the show with Troy Martin that came out on Saturday morning. He did the yardage books for Southern Hills. He caddied for Stephen Ames at the Senior PGA Championship a year ago, and I got his take on it. He, think it's, he thinks it's going to be really hard. I think it's going to be really hard. Tambo thinks it's going to be really hard. Can you tell yourself a story? It's like, oh, yeah, it's not going to be all that hard. It's going to be pretty easy and build lineups that way. Absolutely. I think no doubt in my mind, not because I think that. I'm with you guys. I think it's going to be really hard. But this reminds me of when we talk about weather and one wave. Oh, it's going to be brutal. They have the clear advantage. And then the wind flips or something unexpected and you've leveraged really, really nicely. If you attack this saying, okay, maybe instead of, you know, the winning score, everyone's gonna say eight under, maybe it's 20 under, maybe it's a lot easier. Maybe there's streaks and bonuses. I'm not saying allocate everything like that, but I'll definitely build some lineups taking like Craig Ranch into my mind rather than a torture chamber. I mean, you could have told me that Craig Ranch was one of the PGA professionals in this field. And, he might be. Or, an, or a nice new Doritos flavor. Who knows? <laughs> but looking at this field, it's stacked uh, in terms of top-tier talent. Everyone is here except Harris English and Phil Mickelson are both WD. Do not play those guys. Paul Casey, we're still waiting on. He's going to... I imagine Paul Casey is going to say he's playing until the very last second. At least he's a reasonable price to take this gamble 
at this time. He's not like $8,600. He's $7,400. We'll have more information on him. I'll continue to have a Paul Casey tracker going on in the newsletter each and every day. So keep tuned with that. And then Sungjae might not play. Tested a positive for COVID in Korea. And now they don't know whether or not he can come back in time. If he comes back, like when I did the research show, Sungjae just kept popping off the page for me. Yeah. Tambo, I know you want to play Sungjae. What are your feelings on it, Ben? Yeah. Go ahead, Ben. Ah, you're not yeah. Ben. <laughs> I mean, my, my feelings are, oh, anytime there's a narrative around a guy when we have a lot of unknowns, it's usually if you can stomach it and you can find a path, it's pretty interesting. So... If we get word that he's in the country, uh, that would be step one. <laughs> I'll have some interest. He's next to uh, a player we're surely going to be talking about in the pricing. But Sanjay, a lot of things uh, look like positives when you see this setup. Okay. There are 20, I believe, PGA professionals in the field. Let's just scratch. There's like the old dudes at the Masters. Let's just cross those guys off. Maybe one or two of them make the cut at best. But I think that changes. It doesn't necessarily change the strategy, but it's not as difficult theoretically to get all your players six of six through the cut line at the PGA champion versus something like the US Open where it's top 60 in ties. And even the amateurs, like some of those guys are live. Like they're not bad players. And the US Open is so difficult that it just takes a bit of putt luck sometimes to sneak a guy through where these guys are basically dead in the water, it feels like. Yeah, definitely here. Like, I don't even care. Like I said, even if one or two of these guys come through, it just doesn't matter to me. Just cancel them. I don't imagine it's going to be on a winning lineup. We did just see Rich Strike win the Kentucky Derby. Ben loves that stuff, I know. And you have crazy things happen. We had Phil Mickelson win here last year. Obviously, he's not in the field this year, like you said, but I'm not going to play for that. I'm going to go in with my own strategy, which is just eliminate those guys completely. It's funny, Ben. Well, I mean, we did the Kentucky Derby preview show. May have done it a bit early before the horse that was actually won was in the actual field for the race that wasn't the best look for us but hey you know it's not like we're giving out winners all the time anyway so our guy came in second i think though man didn't he oh he came in second we had the, i mean you gave up strike is so bad they're not even running him in the preakness because they just don't want to get embarrassed uh i'm not going to go on a horse tangent but i will say epicenter and rich strike raced in the same race once before and epicenter beat him by 33 lanes so that tells you all you need to know there but yeah there's I don't think we're going to be seeing a repeat of that in this tournament, but you, you never know. If Phil can win, anyone can win. Well, it's funny to look back through the like previous 10 champions of the PGA Championship because you have Phil won at like 500 to 1 or wherever the hell he was last year. Jimmy Walker was like 200 to 1 the year that he beat Jason Day. Keegan was a huge, huge deep odds the year that he ended up winning. But other than that, it's like one of the favorites ends yeah. up winning. So... I think you kind of have to go with who are the favorites and not try to play this weird long shot game. Cause I, it feels like all the long shots that people like this week are all going to be exactly the same long shots. So what do we do with that? Let's just start there. We're going to have these chalky guys in the seven Ks and even in the six Ks, I'm guessing. Do you just avoid them or is Cameron Young just a great play? So play him. Yeah, mostly avoid them myself personally, just because, like I said, I think there's just so many other guys. Like, for example, Cameron Young, Fantasy National, you talk to him, it's going to pop everywhere that you look. He's, he makes sense. The guy is an incredible talent. What can you say bad about him when what you've watched him do this season already? But when you go into the price, and this is where I just don't get it some weeks where people just get so attached to something, like Fleetwood, Keegan Bradley, Casey, if you want to stomach it, Woodland's down below, above, Fitzpatrick, Answer, Webb, like these are other good golfers. Not saying they all are, but like Finau is right above him. There, there's definitely other guys that you can go to that can beat this guy out. So if he's going to be 15 to 20%, I think you can just move off it, especially in something like the $25, which you asked about earlier. I think that's an easy decision. 
Yeah, what are you, what's your strategy here, Ben, when it comes to these guys down at the bottom? Obviously, in higher stakes, it might mean a little bit less, but in the lower stakes, when you're competing against 100,000 people, you probably don't want to play a 23%, $7,600 Cam Young, right? I mean, I, I think that when you deploy him, you want to play him with something that's pretty aggressive elsewhere. So if you have a guy maybe up top or, or particularly in that same range that you think is going to be really low owned and you think that he's got a, a chance to win or really do damage well, well getting cam young on your team doesn't really hurt you because you've already leveraged a little bit but where you run into problems and tambo summed this up really good uh on our master show is when you you have only one out in terms of your leverage you're competing with hundreds of 1v1s and you usually get boxed out that way so i will be careful with the ownership i don't think you just cross those guys off but in high, you know, top-heavy tournaments like like the Millie, you want to be really careful when you do, in fact, use them. Let's jump into the pricing on DraftKings. We got Scotty Scheffler as the highest price player. He and John Rahm are betting favorites, co-betting favorites at this tournament. Rahm is second in the pricing at $11,200. JT, 10-7. Morikawa, 10-4. Rory, $10,000 even. Despite looking at the skill sets needed for this course and what you really need to do to be able to grind out a victory is what we think is going on. Obviously, my heart lies with one guy, as it always does, and I'm guessing he probably comes in the lowest owned of this group, and it's Colin Morikawa. Always, for me. I figured you would say that much. Like I said, I, I don't hate that. I think obviously we've got a, a PGA championship in himself there in Colin Morikawa of recent. So I think that's a guy that you can go to uh, to get a little bit lower ownership in this range. And then we always have the debate because it seems like today, Pat, that t Justin Thomas will be popular no matter what. Not only is he cruising along as we speak in the Byron Nelson, but people are sort of like, this is his. He's already got a PGA championship in the past. This would be a good setup. He's finally coming back around. You've got Morikawa right below him. They go arm in arm when we talk about ball striking, total game, tee to green in general and what I think you'll need here. So that could be a pretty good pivot. I think the bigger debate is always going to be up top. Last time, like Ben had mentioned earlier, the master show we did together, we all sat here and pretty much said, Scotty Scheffler, if he burns us, he burns at least Ben and I did. And sure enough, he did burn us. He was at the top here. It's going to be a little bit tougher to decide because if you think about a grinded out tough, like those courses are John Rahm, but Scotty Scheffler has been playing and he's the best in the world right now. So where do you go with that? That I do not know, because it finally seems, Ben, like Scheffler is going to be more owned than Rom. Maybe that switches throughout the course of the week as more people talk about it. It's like, oh, John Rom coming in at low ownership. And then all of a sudden, he's like the highest owned guy. Like, that's that's feasible, or at least higher than Scheffler. But right now, like, Morikawa and Rom do seem not necessarily the two left out, because that's not the case. Mm -hmm. But compared to Scheffler, Thomas, and even Rory, I do think that those guys come in significantly less. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, and here we go. Last time we did the show, you you took me as the little snippet saying, if you see Scotty Scheffler at the top, you won't be seeing my lineups. I'm asking you not to do that here because I'll say once again, if Scotty Scheffler wins, you will not be seeing my lineups at the top. If Rom is less owned than him, I don't know how I don't make that pivot more often than not. I know that Scheffler's playing the best in the world. He's been unbelievable. He's got connections to all this. But man, a little discount in ownership and price to some of the world's best, it's hard for me to pass that up. Is there a world where you're just building with two of these guys? Because you mentioned like a balanced lineup, no one below $7,000 could be a nice way to differentiate yourself here and really pad that lineup. Uh, as you said, you need to find the guys that, I mean, not know we're going to come inside the top 20. Obviously, we don't know. Right. If we knew that, we'd all be a lot richer, put it that way. <laughs> yes. But at least the ones in your mind that you can get yourself there, and maybe it's just so much easier thinking like, oh, Lowry, Berger, Neiman, like those type of guys, like three of those guys in a lineup with, hell, 
Dustin Johnson or Xander at their price point, like that can work and still be above $7,000. Or is it like, hey, I want Morikawa and Rory? Yeah, no, I definitely don't want that. Like Morikawa and sorry, I shouldn't say that. Morikawa and Rory, I could start with because that's in a different strategy sense. You're saving a lot of money by dropping down and you're fading three guys above that the first is a very tough decision for most. And then the second one is the most popular probably up there in JT, just my guess as of now. But then the Rom and Scotty are there. So uh, if you do that, that's okay. I, I would not go with like a Scotty Rom lineup. And why I would say that is because even when we get to some of these plays down below it, like Lanto and Hadwin and those guys at 6,300, not only is that's what everyone else going to have to do, but it's also me talking to you earlier about needing to get guys into the top 20. Well, we don't know who they'll be. I think that's a way tougher path where you might be able to guarantee a couple of them, but you get really lean at the bottom. So I don't want to go with that strategy. Tambo and I will be back on Wednesday live at noon Eastern time on Mayo Media Network. You can come ask your questions. Good questions, by the way, or else you get banned for life on YouTube. But hey, majors usually bring out good questions in people. And in on that show, you and I tend to talk through everything and some of these different ideas. If you go Scheffler and Romben, you have $6,800 for your final four players on average. That would lead everyone directly to the bottom with Lonto, with Hadwin, because those guys really do stick out at the bottom as really good plays. Now, Hadwin was a really good play at the Byron Nelson, too, in theory was not a great play in reality when he absolutely no-showed the event. So do you have a lean on where you think you're going to start building your lives? Because obviously we're filming this on the weekend before the conclusion of the Byron Nelson. This is more of a way to talk through our ideas before finalizing the picks that do you see yourself going with a double above $10,000 or is it just going to be Rom, Cam Smith, and then into that lower eights, high sevens? It's not going to be Cam Smith. No, I, I don't mind that strategy, but you really do have to be careful because if you're talking about ownership uh, in conjunction with the players, like if you have two north of 10, Hadwin's percentage owned in those type of lineups is going to be like comical. It's going to be crazy high. So I'll be careful, but I do like, I mean, right now on my screen, I have Ram and Rory clicked in 7,200 for four spots. I think that's enough uh, to get it done. And certainly if you go like, Morikawa and Rory, you're landing firmly in the mid-range. I don't worry about that type at all. I think the, the one pairing, if you go north of 11 twice, you've really made it thin, and I'm not sure you can get that unique. You're looking for, like, Scheffler and Rom both to come in the top five and then really hope that the 9K range absolutely crumbles. You know who the play is at $6,300 if you want to go that route? Ryan Fox. My guy, Ryan Fox. Always on Ryan Fox. Never really turns out that well. But he's also 63. He's playing good right now. He is playing really good right now. So Can we use F-bombs on this show? Yeah, fucking right. Ryan Fox is going to be something that comes up in discords everywhere if he comes through, is what I was thinking of as soon as you said that name. But it is funny because you have Hadwin and you have Lanto and guys right there that are people just watched either burn them or Lanto's cruising right now, that that's where the chalk or the people are, that are going to go down to that range are at least going to go. So I kind of like that call. Additionally... If this was three, I mean, not even three years ago, like back when DraftKings first had golf for like the first three years, Hadwin's ownership before the Byron Nelson would be like, oh, he's projected like 27%. And then after he missed the cut, it'd be like, oh, he's going to come in at 3%. Everyone use Hadwin. I feel like that doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't. No, and I think it goes back to NFL, which I know Ben follows quite heavily as well as, as you, of course. But like the, I was called the Will Fuller theory, where Will Fuller took till week five for him to score like 50 DraftKings fantasy points. But everyone just, he was 20% every week. And people kept saying, oh, he's going to be lower owned now because he burned them last week. No, he kept coming in at 20% and eventually he goes off. And I think that's what ends up happening in PGA DFS now. The worry for me with Morikawa 
is obviously going to be the worry that I have with a few of the other guys that I do like this week, that it does seem like around the green, having touch is going to be really critical at this course because the greens are tiny and you're going to have a lot of runoff areas and they're not going to be necessarily like, like little chips from just off the green. Like you're going to be rolling back like 50 yards and have a lot. I actually threw into the model uh, 75 to 100 specifically for that just to say, hey, like if these guys do, don't, they spin it too much, spins off the green. They're going to be quite a ways back trying to get it up and down from that range. And we know how horrendous Morikawa can be around the green. We're going to have Hovland in that sense. We're going to have Kokrak in that sense. But where this is not a traditional type of course where, hey, it's it's nestled up in the rough. You're like four yards up. You need to get it up and down. Would that lead you more towards him in terms of like, I don't care about that? Because I, I don't care about that. I've seen him do enough on these big stages. And if it is going to be like a runoff area, I mean, he just came inside the top five of the Masters. It's not like the Open Championship has traditional rough. It's either you're pitching it off like a fairway complex, where there's a ton of here, or you're in like the fescue and like you're fucked anyway. Like yeah. there's no real difference there. Do you think that's going to be a contributing factor to people making picks, Ben, where it's like, oh, I can't use this guy. His around the green game sucks. Therefore, he has no chance here. So again, I think that that's where when, when you see a course that no one's seen, uh, this is where those narratives get out of control. That may very well be true, and I am worried about that, but I'll just embrace it on certain lineups. Like I think that Morikawa and Hovland together is a really good idea because say that everyone's wrong and around the green is super simple. Well, if we knew that, Morikawa and Hovland might be my top two picks in this whole thing. So why not pair them together on certain lineups and see, and yeah, I mean, I, I, strokes gained, fescue is not a thing, so I, I'm with you there. I, I would go the reverse on that. I think that around the green might be so hard at this course that, that it, it just that it kind of neutralizes a little bit. Like then it becomes a putting contest from eight feet, where Morikawa and Hovland might lead themselves twelve feet, where normally the other guy would lead themselves like a foot in a tap, and that those guys might be having to drain five to eight footers the entire week, and then it can normalize that way. That would be sort of the angle that I would take from it. Because, like, Morikawa was fine around the greens at Riviera. Yeah. He was fine around the greens at Harding Park. He was fine around the greens at the Open Championship at the Masters. It's just he's not consistent. It's like his putting. Like, he might show up and lose eight strokes putting. It's completely plausible. He could gain eight, though. Yeah, he's the higher-end version of what we do with Luke List and guys like Keegan Bradley and stuff, just at the much higher level where you are going to have to embrace it. And either of your points makes sense to play it. Because to what Ben said is possible, to what you said is the other way, completely opposite, but it's still a reason to play him. And at the end of the day, at majors, and this is what I always go back to, I talk about this all the time, long-term, talent level, full tee to green. Like, I care way more about that than what did you do the last three weeks on the PGA Tour. I get that that's relevant, and I love recent form, but it's not the same at a major. If Colin Morikawa wins a second PGA Championship, would you be surprised? No. If Hovland goes out and wins his first PGA major championship in general at a PGA Championship, would you be surprised? No. So I'll continue to play the talent and let other people talk themselves off for other reasons. Whew, that was a lot of talking. Might as well have an ad break. In a tiny apartment in Southern California, two college dropouts teamed up to create a watch company that broke all the rules. Fair prices, unexpected colors, and clean original designs. Movement grew into one of the fastest-growing watch brands, shipping to over 160 countries across the globe. Now Movement has expanded into blue light glasses that protect your eyes from screens, minimalist jewelry, and more style essentials. Don't break the bank. All designed out of their California headquarters. I got the glasses, the sunglasses. I was wearing them around France last week, and did anyone stop me to tell me, hey, that's very chic fashion? No. 
However, I did get a glance at myself and reflections as I was walking around. I thought, Pat, you look good in these. And they really did desensitize my eyes to all of the light. And it was absolutely fantastic. My wife loves her watch, too. They have the look and quality of like a $400 to $500 watch that you're going to pay for at a department store. But now doesn't cost that much with movement so if you want to elevate your look and style but don't want to break the bank then join the movement and get 15 percent off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash mayo again that's mvmt.com slash mayo if you're listening to me pat mayo you're probably not the smartest person in the world but that's okay and that's why you gotta check out Titan. As everyday investors, the cards have simply been stacked against us. We've been given access to this marketplace of stocks, but we're competing against institutional investors with unlimited resources. We're simply told to invest in the S&P 500 and be happy with a conservative average. With Titan, you get access to strategies similar to those in the 1% without having to be ultra-wealthy or pay hefty fees. All it takes is $100 to get started, deposit your money, select which of the portfolios you want to invest in, and that's it. Titan aims to grow investments at least 15% annually net of fees, which could mean doubling your wealth every five years. Check out Titan if you aim to become the smartest, wealthiest investor you've ever seen. So head to titan.com slash mayo to get $50 when you invest with Titan. You must go to this URL or you will not get that $50. And they won't know that we sent you. And we want that. That's $50 when you go to titan.com slash mayo and invest with Titan. This is a paid partnership with Titan, and at the time of this publication, I am not yet invested in Titan strategies. I think you have to commit to at least one of these guys sure. at the top, unless you want to go full fade of the $10,000 range, although that gets a little bit dicey. Although the 9Ks are packed with legit talent, like when we go down and look at the 9s, you know, Hovland's at 9.9. I think that's a great price for him to keep his ownership a little bit neutralized with Cam Smith being 97 right below him. Spieth, DJ, Xander, Matsuyama, Cantlay, and Brooks. That's the entire $9,000 range. I mean, you could build a team starting with three of those guys and the team is going to look amazing even with the rest of your roster. So it might alleviate some of the pressure of some of the top guys not getting out of control. But if I'm building a core, and let's say I'm playing 2250 lineups right now. Do I build a core of four of these guys from $9,000 up and just kind of mix and match from there and then kind of level itself out down the board? Or do I just say, hey, I'm going to play like seven of these guys and condense at the bottom? I like the second strategy just because there's this, like you said, to me, yes, you can have a fill from the clouds, as Ben likes to say with guys Lahiri at the players. It can happen. But I'm saying, I, like you said, Pat, and like we know, these guys at the top are going to be very important, and you need a lot to go wrong for some of these guys to not be in the mix, if not winning the tournament. So uh, I, it's just going to be a tough track. It feels like it's already long. It's going to play longer. It sounds like there is opportunity for mistakes to be made, and that'll come into play when we talk about some other guys and why I think they're better for this course. But for me, I would go with the latter and play more of these guys at the top and condense at the bottom. Looking back at the past 50 rounds, Ben, on courses that have been rated difficult by PGA Tour. It's one of the tabs on Fantasy National. Strokes gained total on those courses. Rom, Morikawa, Rory, Scheffler, Victor Hovland, Hideki, Berger, Louis, Xander, Bryson, who's 8300 bucks by the way, Corey Connors, Matthew Fitzpatrick, and our boy, Paul Casey, 74. Like, the worst player down there is probably... 
Patrick Reed or Jason Kokrak on difficult courses. Do you think that's the strategy that you want to take here? Guys that don't necessarily rate out well statistically every single week, but when they get to difficult circumstances, their game seems to be elevated a little bit. Yeah, I think there's just something to that in majors and just a mentality. Uh, I always talk about like the, the corn ferry mentality when you get on super easy courses, attacking pins, trying to shoot 25 under, you know, you really have to go for it here understanding that if you have some bogeys that's probably okay and you might actually be picking up strokes here and there if it's really difficult on some of these holes and i think there are certain players on tour particularly a lot of the elites that really separate themselves by limiting the damage not necessarily scoring dustin can i mean he can complete the career grand slam if he wins this and at the open championship a little bit later on i've been talking about that for a while so i think i actually like hovland the best of all these guys in the nines which is not something that i thought that i would say but i think that i'm just going to punt around the green hopefully it works out for me and just go with the guys that i think have enough distance and are consistent enough with their longer irons that are going to play here and morikawa hovland like they're two of the best and rom for that matter yeah, I'm with you on the Hovland side of things, at least. I definitely like the guys above. Like, we didn't talk a lot about Rory. I like Rory more than Hovland, even if ownership comes into play. I just definitely like his game better for here. It, you know, he showed out Wells Fargo, slow start, ends up coming back. We saw that round at the Masters, sort of get it together, not make the mistakes down the stretch of that final round. So I'm good there, but I don't hate Hovland. I don't like a lot of this next setup, as at least out of now, like Spieth, Smith, DJ, uh, X, to be determined, X did battle back to make the cut here at the Byron Nelson, showed a little something finally, but that that whole tournament at the Masters was pretty pathetic from him. And the guys below, I love. Like I, I like Hideki and I like Cantlay. I, I'm talking. We're talking full experience. T to green, upside, top twenty. Do we know? No, but could they? Absolutely. Top ten, top five. They have it. So uh, I like the guys at the bottom a little bit more. And I think I'm out on Brooks. See, it's not just because the WD lately. Just what has he done? Like he has done nothing. If he just shows up here and does it, he hasn't even really been the major hunter, big game hunter that we've seen in the past as of late. So he'd have to show me something. I think if there's guys in the 8K range, I like more than him as well. Yeah, what are you gonna do with the nines, Ben? Like I said, Hovland, DJ are the two that really stick out. But like, if you wanted to talk me into a Magic Beans lineup of Cameron Smith and Jordan Spieth, I can get behind <laughs> that. I mean, that makes sense to me here. Yeah, again, I mean, that their skill set around the green could separate. For me, I mean, partly going to be savings-based, but I think Patrick Cantlay's game is, is most fit in terms of the variables we can see on the course. He kind of gains everywhere. He's not, oh, he has this one glaring issue. He's just that kind of player, so I don't really worry about course fit with him. It seems to travel no matter where, and he is the lowest owned of the entire range. The guy that I, I've always struggled with, and I'm struggling uh, to wonder how he only made one birdie less than like Sandy Lyle is Xander. I, I don't understand what he's doing. Then he wins the Zurich with Cantlay. He barely makes the cut. It's just all over the map. But I, I do think his game sets up pretty well from what I've seen with this course. So Cantlay and Xander are two that I actually have interest in here. Could you start your teams with them? <sighs> I think it's a little thin. I mean, that's a lot of, you're fading like the 10 guys with amongst the highest win equity, maybe on a lineup or two, but that would not be my, I, I would be very comfortable starting with like Hovland and DJ types. I think if you go lower than that, it's a little tough, but if you go mega balanced and you think that the sixes are just awful, that would be the way to gain the leverage there. Don't use a 6k guy. Just trying to think through the construction that I want to go with at the top. I'm not with you, Ben, on Scotty Scheffler. I, I, I could see myself just being, you know what? Well, just embrace it. Let's go with it. 
Like, it, it continues to work. Why am I not doing this? Why am I playing against the odds that it's not working? And maybe that price eventually keeps him down. Let's say he ends up struggling a little bit or doesn't care on the weekend at Byron Nelson that all of a sudden Scheffler's back down to, like, 12%. Doesn't that make him a pretty appealing play at that point? Certainly. the That was the big, you know, at the Masters that I think is different. He wasn't popular. Everyone knew he was overpriced. And then you really got paid off. If he's popular, I know it's uncomfortable and it feels terrible when you, you just look and the guy just torches you. It's going to be tough. Now, if, if everyone does the, like you said, the triple reverse and, and now Rom is popular, I'm not saying it's impossible for me to get to Scheffler, but I don't see myself getting overweight against the field, given that I, I do think he's going to be popular. Interesting. What do you think the best build is up here? I think starting at the top, uh, like I said, I mean, if you're going to pick your guy, it's like Rom, uh, or if you want to start, like you were talking about more balance, I can go with just starting with Rory and go balanced. I, I don't love like to Ben's point. I think he nailed it. Like if you go Xander can't like, could it happen? Yes. But you need a lot to crumble up above you or like you're really, really sweating it down that that's, you know, final stretch on Sunday because you might have almost the perfect balance build. But then one of these guys, there's like 10 guys above that that start creeping into the picture. And now that just crushes your lineup construction. So uh, I think starting with like a Rom or Rory, or whatever you want to do up there, but uh, not maybe together. I like with Rom dropping down or Rory and dropping down is sort of what I like, at least as of now. There's just something about Scheffler and Cam Smith that I just, I absolutely do not want to play those two. Yeah. But I know that those are the two guys that are going to kill me if I don't play them. Now I'm now into that mode. How did it be, how did this become the thing? Because those are the two guys that I played like every week, Ben, for three straight years. And now I, I, I don't know I what to you. do. <laughs> I know everybody like, Cam Smith, I'll, I'll own. I play Scotty Scheffler all the time. I just can't play him when he's this type of price. And we saw at Augusta, those two uh, just free drops, just holding out from all over the place. It, they're very, very dangerous. It's not where I'm going to be. If I if I had to build one lineup, it would start Rory and Cantlay. Uh, and it would be very, very traditional uh, one, 110, 1-9. What, what is it with Rory over Vic right now? Is it the form? Because... I feel like Rory's going to be more popular than Vic at this point. Or maybe that there becomes like the Oklahoma State narrative. And then all these guys who went to college in the Big Ten get like triple the ownership of everyone else. But it really feels like people are, people want Rory to win this so badly that I think they're just transferring everything onto him. I'm good with fading Rory. For me, for me, it's the just the price, 10K versus 11.4. And Scheffler's better. He's one way more. Okay. He's done more than Okay, so, so not necessarily Scheffler versus Rory. Like, why? why ha, let's go Hovland versus Rory, Smith versus Rory, Morikawa versus Rory. I think I'd rather play those three guys over Rory this week. And that's not to take away from Rory. Obviously, yeah. he can win. But I, it, Rory feels so trappy to me here. It could be. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. Like, well, you and I will talk to it on a Wednesday show, see where it goes. I'll have a much better decision based off of that. But at least as of now, I told myself I'm not getting off Rory in this spot. Like I said, the one thing about the Sunday at the Masters is just he did not make that mistake down the stretch. He made a few going into Wells Fargo. And they, I can't remember if it was well. I think it was actually uh, Mexico Open. I keep saying that. But uh, whichever one he just played at and sort of battled back and came up in the top five there, uh, showed some more heart there. And now we get him here at a pretty fair price and you can start lineups with him. So I, I like Rory here as of now. Hovland, it's nothing to do with the around the green game you could go Rory Hovland if you wanted I talked to you previous about the Morikawa Rory lineups I call them Rory Kawa lineups they're my favorite at something like a major because they both have the upside they don't kill you on price there's always guys above them still and you could still get into a build that doesn't have to go down to 6300 Morikawa Hovland Spieth and DJ Ben I think those are gonna be my four from up here yeah, I mean, those. it's a vast different type of player there because DJ's the wild card. He's won 
I'm not exactly sure. And he didn't, he hasn't looked great at Byron Nelson. Not that I really care about that. It's been kind of an uneventful year, but he's playing a lot of technical tracks and he played players, Valspar heritage sandwiched around the masters. So I'm, I'm fine with Dustin Johnson. And I think for me with Rory, it's just, you never want to say floor with golf because any of these guys can miss the cup, but it seems like Rory more often than not, he's the king of, you know, salvaging in some, and I know you play him to win, but a lot of times someone else carries the torch and then you just want your other guys to climb that board. Now I trust Rory a lot more to backdoor a top five or a top 10 than a guy like Hovland. If he doesn't in fact have his eight plus stuff. I can completely see that. I think we are going to get an ownership discount on Hovland versus Rory though. Like I don't, it might be comparable. It'll be comparable, but I think that there will be enough of a difference to make that matter. And I think they're pretty similar. I mean, they're not similar players in terms of what they, I mean, the stuff that they do well, they both do really well. Obviously, Rory has fine-tuned his game a little bit more and get him back on bent when I went through the stats. Rory, one of the better putters mm-hmm. on bent grass, which I found really surprising considering it doesn't even include a lot of the, it doesn't include any of the master stats. But if we just throw out around the green, which is a big ask, obviously, that Hovland all of a sudden just becomes... And I, I'm going to be sitting there on Friday needing Hovland to make the cut. He's going to put it into a bunker and just I'll never see him again. That'll be the end of him. <laughs> I, I think it's good that he's just, like you said, we talked about this in our strategy shows. We've talked about this going through these you know sort of prices on different shows that we've done. But you got to take your stands and pick your guys. The difference for me is like if I like Rory and I love how Ben just framed it up, sort of you're not looking for it as a floor, but you feel more comfortable, especially here where I'm counting on placement points. I feel better about that versus Morikawa and Hovland are sort of those risk-taking types where you're hoping they come through because if they come through they can really come through and get you that ceiling if you will to tie it back but I'm hoping for guys like Hovland, Smith, Spieth, DJ to eat up those 10% 12% chunks that won't get put to Rory so while Rory's still higher owned than a Hovland he take some of that ownership does get sparsed out to the other guys and you can get them uh, you can still get overweight on a guy like that. Ben Tambo's out on Brooks are you in? No, I know he's going to be, you know, the lowest of all these players, but I I truly don't think right now he belongs with these players. He could turn it on. And we've seen that time and time before Scheffler crushed me every week. It was Brooks. Uh, So I know that feeling as well, but he's just shown nothing right now. And there's five, six guys north and below his price that I'd rather play. A lot of bunkers, deep bunkers on this course. Uh, Looking at it of the very top end guys, the ones who rate inside the top 20 of all players in this field over the past 50 rounds in sand saves gained. Uh, Let's see here. Scheffler is, sorry, Shoffley is seventh. Justin Thomas is fifth. Everyone else is like pretty mediocre except for Cantlay out of the sand, which is really weird. Like Havlon, Morikawa, Rom, and DJ have been especially atrocious. Even Spieth has been pretty bad out of the sand. Although when it came down to getting it up and down out of the sand at the Heritage, who did it? It was Spieth. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Cantlay, despite his lie being, I don't know, 400 (laughs) times worse than Spieth's. But hey, uh, end up taking that one. But... I don't know. I, I might add another one into it. I'm leaning Cantlay, and I, with Brooks, feels like people are going to get paid on Brooks or they're going to lose all their money on Brooks. It's one of the two outcomes. It feels like we just keep chasing it at majors, though. We just did it at the Masters. Had to get him in there. The price was still cheap enough. He's, you know, it's this is where he bounces back. He didn't. You know who else is good at sand saves? Roy McIlroy, hole 18, with Morikawa <laughs> at the same time at the Masters. But that's one, one hole, one sample size. But just to bring that back up, yeah, Brooks is just going to be a tough ask. He will be extremely low-owned. People will still talk themselves into doing it. Again, I'm just hoping that that 5 to 7%, if that's where it ends up, just guessing. But if it's that's the case, just pull that away from another guy and just you're putting it on somebody else and, and just having to worry if he buries you, he buries you. How much are you waiting driving distance here, Ben? Are you going to go with a lot of big bomber lineups? 
I, I definitely think that that's one of the unknowns here. And I, I do kind of lean to that, that you could be very aggressive potentially. Uh, it, it's tough up top because a lot of the world's best, of course, crush off the tee. That's probably why there's some of the world's best. I think it gets more into play when you start talking about, you know, I, I mean, Cam Champ and those types where that's their only skill set in some regards. But I'm going to probably wait driving distance and just strokes gained off the tee pretty heavily this week. I think I'm going to be doing the same. Like if you wanted to build something out and just make a very rudimentary model on Fantasy National, driving distance, or maybe split up driving distance, half driving distance, half strokes gained off the tee. And that does recoup some of the guys that don't drive it as the Morikawas of the world who aren't short by any means, but still gain a ton with their driver because they have a lot of precision with it. So those two approach from 175 plus, around the green yeah i like all that i will say this just to tie it back into what we talked about earlier asking about like what if it's not an around the green course what if it is i think the driving distance becomes again it's going to be needed no matter what it's an extremely long course but i think that's almost the better stat where you could pull it back what if it's hot weather it's a little bit drier you get that firm and fast a little bit more run out and you start to see some of these shorter hitters that are more precise and then have pretty good around the green games and all around games major experience all of those factors that could be where you do look kind of like ben style and you build some bomber lineups but then build some other ones that don't worry about that as much and mix and match because that's the stat I think that will get talked about the most this week for good reason but that's where I could see a possibility that it could switch at the end or something over the past 50 rounds guys that don't have big driving distance but are still very high in strokes gained off the tee we're looking at Corey Connors Patrick Cantlay Matthew Fitzpatrick Bubba Watson which is really weird because yeah you think just pure (laughs) bomber that's just not how he's been playing Yeah, I mean, he's been playing a lot of really short courses, so obviously that kind of goes into it as well. I I thought it was really strange to see that Bubba's been really dialing it back, not going big driver. Like, even at the the week at the players, like, how these shorter courses have been better for him, weirdly enough, when he doesn't go full balls out. Yeah. I mean, for Bubba, that's definitely interesting. Ben looked at it that way too, but I'm talking more, like, I think they're not on your list, but like Burgers, Fitzpatrick was on your list. Guys like that. Sungjae. Sungjae. And like some of this stuff, I don't think people realize, but to me, I at least see it, that these guys, they would love to have longer distance, but they also know what works for them. And then they're so good at controlling it from their liar where they're, even Morikawa does it. Morikawa doesn't mind having the longer iron is. Why? He's the best in the world with long irons. Why does, he doesn't care if he gets that extra 10 yards uh, on the opposite, Zalator went and fought and got some more distance good segue probably going there next but he's a guy that can get a little bit more off the tee now and is still a very good ball striker so it's to each their own and what they like but I think some of these guys will creep into the mix despite the fact they don't have the driving distance on the on the models and whatnot we see it all the time too like there's a reason that Kevin Na continues to do well at the Masters Corey Connors another one they have certain things figured out about what they can do as a part of their game obviously this isn't the same because they're not playing the same course over and over and getting that first-hand knowledge but Connors at the ground running at Augusta yeah Spieth so two, two other Augusta guys, Spieth, Cam Smith. Cam Smith's got a great history there. Spieth's obviously a champion there. You, you've got guys that just know what their game is. And we joke about Magic Beans, but at some point, it's their game. It's what they've got figured out. It's not always going to work out for them, but when it does, it can destroy us, at least, if you're fading them in DFS. So some guys just know their game, and if you stick to it, that's what ends up winning for them. When Simply Safe Home Security founders Chad and Eleanor Lauren designed their first security system in their kitchen, they did it for a very personal reason. Their friends had just had their home broken into. They were struggling to find a security system that was easy to set up and use, offered reliable, comprehensive protection, and with service plans that were flexible and affordable. So they created Simply Safe so they could feel safe again. 
Making people safe is what Simply Safe has been doing ever since that moment 15 plus years ago. Simply Safe has highly trained security experts ready whenever you need them. Whether that's during a break-in, a fire, medical emergency, or even when you're just setting up the system. There's always someone there who has your back to keep you safe and make sure you feel safe. As my listener, you can claim a free indoor security camera plus save 20% on your Simply Safe security system and get your first month free with interactive monitoring service. Visit simplysafe.com/mayo to customize your system and start protecting your home and family today. Again, that's simplysafe.com/mayo. S I M P L I S A F E.com/mayo. To Zalatoris at $8,900. He is followed by Burns, Lowry, Berger, Neiman, Sungjae. Still trying to figure out whether or not he's going to play. So more on that. Sub to the newsletter. Playing the Listener's League link. Le- Listener's League link is in the description too down there. Bryson, Tiger, Max Homa, Hatton, Connors, Louie. And that's the entire $8,000 range. What do we make of Bryson? Because I think on paper this, is, this reeks of a Bryson course. Again, it does based on what we're going to hear and go with. But uh, no he, one's going to play him. They're definitely not going to play him. He's in the Brooks Kepka zone here. So if you want two guys that are in the mid-range that can sort of fit your builds that no one's going to be on, that there could be some upside, and then you can sort of play whoever you want after that point because they're low-owned. It would be Bryson and Brooks. But I don't know, like Bryson, the bomber has been there when he's played. Mind you, he hasn't played for, for a very long time. It looks like lately sort of what's going on, he's a little bit healthier and could be out here for this. But all-around game has not been there. Four full rounds at a tougher course, regardless of a distance is needed or not. Does he come through versus some of the other guys there? I don't know. And I've seen better form and have better feeling about the other guys. So as of right now, I, I just don't see any reason to go there. Maybe we get some more news as the week goes on. Do you, do you think he ends up playing, Ben? I don't, but it's regardless. If he does play, he's a little cheaper. So it's a little easier to just blindly back him. His around the green game, though, is <laughs> like... I. I don't know. I'm I'm a little concerned with what he's going to give you. So if you want to blindly do it, I, I guess I could see it. But I think he's, of all the people we've talked about, he's the most likely to miss the cut in, in just cruising fashion. How about Tiger, who was $8,200? You won't be seeing any Tiger in my lineups, but he continues hey. to surprise me. Yeah, he surprises me too. Uh, that's... If he beats me, that would just be another another bullet point on the resume here. But no, I'm I'm not going to play Tiger. I'd, I'd rather play basically everyone else in the eights over him. I have Lowry, Berger, and Neiman as my three strongest plays. I don't think I'm going to be alone on that whatsoever. I bet Zalatoris to win when I was on vacation. I saw a boost up to 50 to 1. I was like, hey, good enough. I like what you said about Zalatoris, about not backing him at Byron Nelson, that if the winning score is going to be 25 under, he's just never going to make enough putts. Yeah. But if the winning score is eight under, everyone's kind of missing. That that puts him back into play. And fast, bent grass greens, no problems with Augusta greens with Will Zalatoris. Maybe this will be the same thing. Well, yeah, that's a, his issue is missing putts by like a foot here or a foot there. And it frustrates people, especially at like a birdie fest where you need these. These are going like these are now eagles or birdie putts that he's missing. And people are pissed off because they need all the scoring they can get. Look at the Byron Nelson as we speak. It's different altogether here. The guy doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's one of the best ball strikers in the world. He's now priced fairly. I actually don't think people are going to go off of him based off screwing them last week. I think it's going to be the totally different. And you're going to have to make a decision at 15 to 20 percent what you do with Zalatoris because 8,900 is fair. We know he's 
got the ball striking and all-around capability. And this narrative isn't shouldn't be a surprise. What's funny is that most people are just realizing that it's not a surprise this week and couldn't figure it out last week because he was 30% owned. Why were you doing that in a birdie fest when there was true winners and proven guys around him here? I think it'll be popular, but I think he is a good play. I think he makes a lot of sense from that perspective. I am playing Zalatoris, Ben. Do you think you will get there as well? I don't like him as much as you guys do, but I, I think the point is well taken that his game, when everybody, you know, if you hit it to 25 feet here, making that birdie putt is a complete luxury. Two putting for par is what you need to do. That's a totally different skill set and mentality to where you know you have to hit it to 10 feet and make the putt more often than not to gain. And that's when you're you're shooting for 25 under. I don't think we see that here. I think Will Z is, is certainly better built for, for the thing we talked about with two putting for par. So I get it. Not in love with it just because I really like Neiman and I really like Lowry. Why do you like Neiman so much? Well, one, I think he's perpetually underpriced and he's made, he's still so young. He's made such good strides, particularly around the green. He, to me, is kind of forming that Cantlay type of game. It's just extremely well-rounded. We always knew he had the approach numbers, but the putting and around the green, uh, you know, it's easy to say, look what he did at Genesis because that was just absolutely dominant, but Look what he did at Genesis. I mean, this is just, uh, I really think that he's primed to continue to build and get in the mix in majors. Is Zalatoris the new Xander when it comes to DraftKings? Go ahead, Ben. Go ahead. I never get him right either. So, yeah. I feel good about him. I honestly do. Like, I feel like I get him often because it's just kind of, you got to think of what you're going up against. And here, like I said, it's just so much different when he's priced in with these guys. And and at that price, he could be your third guy in. No problem. Even with like, you could have a Rory, Cantlay, Zalatoris lineup and still have plenty of money left over without having to completely punt. And that's three guys that you could definitely see coming in the top five with one of them being the winner. And you can probably even get a fourth in there. I will say this though, Pat, we'll, we'll finalize on Wednesday. But as of right now, I'm hoping this is a week that a lot of people don't like the 8k range because i think just looking at it now and going through it like if you go up to like a rom lineup or rory like i've mentioned even rom though stick with rom over scheffler scheffler if you want to use them come down here i like you know right off the top love what ben said burger neiman m zalatoris lowry and then you go to the bottom homa louis i don't Potters. like homa you don't have to. I'm just saying that's a guy that's right there that you could see at 8,100. I'm talking about like if this place, one thing I think I have a good stand on no matter what is that the placement points will be most important. So DraftKings show, we're talking about DraftKings scoring. If you have a ROM, you can fit three of these 8K guys. And not only could the winner come from this range, it could. Shane Lowry could win this tournament. Neiman could win this tournament. And then you have ROM up there right behind them in second. And then a couple other guys in the top five or 10 from this range. And you're only in the 7K range for your final two. You could definitely find a couple guys there when we get there that end up at the top as well. If you go Rory Cantlay Zalatoris, like you mentioned, $7,300 remaining for your final three spots. If you wanted to go, let's say... Start with Morikawa, because that's what I'm likely to do in a lot of my lineup. So let's go Morikawa, and then you just kind of drop. Morikawa, Zalatoris, Neiman, and I like Connors. Like, I like I really do like Connors mm-hmm. at 8K. I think this is a good spot for him. You have those four guys, Morikawa, Zalatoris, Neiman, and Connors. You still have 7,100 left. So you could, in theory, go down to the Hadwins of the world. Like, that's, that's I think, a more unique way to get Hadwin or Lonto in your lineup if you really want to do that. It'll be Ryan Fox for me. But then you can go up again if you really want to to those high sevens. 
Yeah. I mean, what you have left there is, like I said, you just have no need to do that. And I think that's where, the, again, even though you're doing it in a more unique way, which I love, I'm saying I just still, I think the, the better way is to avoid it because what are the chances, high, like what's higher? Ryan Fox comes in a top 20 and gets to the top one of these large field tournaments or somebody in that 7K range, two of them come through and end up in the top 25 or top 20 that close the door for you. I think it's the latter again. So that's how I'm looking at it. Yeah, you'd have to think of it, uh, let's say, if I put one of those guys in, the 2v2 that you're thinking about would be Fox... Lonto or Hadwin and Fitzpatrick, Finau, Webb, Answer, Adam Scott, one of those guys as a 2v2 versus having McNeely, Tringali, Hoagie, Peters, Van, uh, Van Royen. Why does it say Van Royen is out? He's going to play, right? He was, he was a withdrawal from this week. So he he, he WD'd yeah. from, yeah, it's, they haven't updated it yet. Yeah. But, I mean, Van Royen would be on that list. Like, I like, not shocking. I like Luke List at this course. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do too, actually. I, I wasn't sure if you're going to bring him up or when you were going to bring him up. But uh, as I talked earlier, like long, you, you look at long-term, Tita Green. Again, bat, Luke List fits in this much cheaper version. Don't forget about the win earlier at the season over our guy we just talked about, Willie Z. But- and a course that... Long, tough course, yeah. man. And then on top of it, again, what's the frustrations with Luke List from Daily Fantasy players? Oh, he just missed another one. He had a five-footer for birdie, and he missed it. That's okay. It, yes, we still want that birdie, of course. I don't want him missing five-footers for birdie. What I'm saying is you're forgetting that he's right there on the dance floor every time, and what's these pars are going to play and move on. He doesn't make a lot of triples and just explode and disappear from a tournament. He normally misses the short ones that matter and is not up there in a 20-under type of tournament for you. Of the 8K guys, Ben... I think that Bryson will most definitely be the lowest owned of the bunch. Who do you think is the second lowest owned? Is it Hatton or is it Tiger? Yeah, that's, I was going to say Hatton, um, but it's going to be amongst them. And I'm not totally against going to Hatton. I just, he does most of his best work in Florida and the game just really hasn't been overly consistent. It's kind of a a -a whack-a-mole situation. So if he's really low owned, maybe I look, but I prefer most of the guys uh, right below him or above him. Hatton coming in second, 13th, 21st. Nope, that is not true. I had the wrong thing in. 37th, 26th, 52nd, 21st, 13th, 2nd. So he's making cuts. Like you, I don't want to say that he's a lock to make the cut, but he is that sort of... Even when he's you watch him, he's pissed off. He's swearing the entire time. He does grind out a lot of tournaments for people. Like, for a guy who's constantly, like, it seems like he's out of it a lot of the time, he will rally back for you. He's like Rory in that way. Yeah, it would definitely be Rory Light to that point. But at the same time, this is where, again, I think people make this mistake, and I hope they do because I'm playing against them competing. And I think I'm not looking to squeeze out that cut or have that guy grind back to 40th for me after he makes cut. Can can Hatton do more? Of course. I'm just saying in general, people are going to look for safety and made cuts. You actually can see at some of these tougher tournaments and majors where six to sixes go backwards (laughs) because the two guys that you have to the five to six. I don't know if it's going to be that. I don't think we're talking about a windy day on the coast at an open championship party. Yeah, we don't know that, but I'm saying even still, even if it is easy enough and 6-6 is likely required, especially in large field stuff, it is. My point is more that people just think this 46th or 51st is going to get it done because they made the cut for you. That's not true. You need the, especially if guys around him, which I think this range is packed with them, end up with top 20s. Hatton doesn't matter. Like guys this past week, if Zalatoris made that cut on Friday for them, they're like, yes, I got my 6-6. Zalatoris is 10 strokes as of right now behind Neiman and behind guys that were at the same price as him. Do you understand how the opportunity cost... 
Like you still have to have him have a crazy weekend even after that. The hope is there, but it's not always going to be the case. So I'm looking more for more upside in that sense. Thinking about it from a statistical standpoint, Ben, like driving distance, I think is going to be a prevailing narrative this week. That's going to put more ownership at the lower end, I think, mm-hmm. on guys that just bomb it out there and do anything else well. Cam Young, Cam Champ, those type of guys. Keith Mitchell. Yeah, it's yeah, going to be a tiebreaker for sure. Absolutely. And people, and I think that's right. That's the route that people should want to go. But I do think that you can kind of twist it another way, like one of the reasons why I like Colin Morikawa. You put a ball on the fairway from 207, you're like, I trust Morikawa to get it pretty close versus a lot of other guys. Hatton does a lot of the similar type of things. Like he tends to play really well at hard courses overall, but like his scrambling is really good. He plays deep par threes really, really well. His putting is overall very good. His approach from over 200 yards, really good. Very good out of the sand. Like he does those little things really well that kind of see him as the better version of what we all think Brennan Grace is, if that makes any sense. I see that. I guess maybe I'm just and and listen. I think he will grow out of this, and he's starting to do it. He's just been really disappointing on the biggest stages, which are typically some of the hardest courses. Uh, I know Augusta. It seems like he's never going to like it, and he didn't even talk about giving up on the weekend. Uh, was not grinding there, but I, I see what you're saying with with his ability to to score in tough conditions. He just hasn't shown up a ton yet in majors, much like ha- uh, Homa. So maybe they do take a step this week. So yeah, he's had two top 10s at the PGA Championship in his career already. So that's not horrible. Two top 10s at the Open Championship, which you would probably hope for at the U.S. Open. He has one top 10. It's just he comes with, it seems like, and Homa's going to be the exact same way here. And the only reason I continue to harp on Hatton, I think that Homa v. Hatton is going to be a decision that a lot of people come down to this week. Or maybe it ends up being Homa versus Connors, because that's probably a more popular play. But Homa's going to be like five times his own. No, probably not five times. Three times his own as Hatton. With the group we have here and doing the show right now, and all those names mentioned, one is not coming up, and I'm very surprised. Oh, Saudi Tour Louis? Yeah. Like, what we're, where we, whatever we're just saying about Hatton, Louis is better. It, all yeah, of those things. That, he's I mean, he's made all the same cuts. His majors are what? Uh, third, second, second. And that was last year. Maybe he's not the same guy. But again, we're not going to worry about what have you done for me the last three months. It's basically the same as what Hatton's done with potential for more, more upside. He's the guy that does not have the driving distance, but has the complete game and all around. And what if he finds the putter and the putter's just a little bit better for him? We won't know till we see it. But at 8,000, I think he's extremely fair price. And maybe now is the time where people are off Louis and onto these guys like Homa. Uh, Got to get some Tiger Woods shares. Oh, Bryson, it's a bomber's track and he's going to be low owned. Put some there and you can just put it in to a guy like Louie. And I love your call on Connors, but you can play both of them. They're both right there. I'm playing Connors of the Bryson Woods, Homa, Hatton, Connors, Louie tier, Ben. Connors is probably the only one I'll end up playing and going to. But I don't think, I mean, there's a nice sell job, an SJ from Tambo on Louie. But I don't think you needed the SJ, did you? No, definitely <laughs> not. Uh, it's Louie. Like, you got to survive the Wednesday cut, which means is he going to play? Um, <laughs> if you do that, then you got to survive the Friday cut. And there's no doubt. I mean, the guy's been, he's been runner up at every major and the players like he he could have just like an insane resume with a couple of breaks so what's there to say you I, I don't read much into any of his form because when he gets to the biggest tournaments if he's feeling it he can turn it on and at flat eight and not a lot of ownership it's always an easy buy you just have to be prepared for absolute disaster Looking at it right now so on fantasy national as we're recording this only 370 lineups have been generated there's going to be 50,000 lineups generated by the time that Wednesday evening comes along. But 
initial leans on a lot of this stuff is what are people's first thing? And that's what we're doing here. We're not finalizing our picks. We're seeing what we want to do, how our builds end up working. But I can tell you right now, John, uh, sorry, Xander Shoffley, and of course, this is before he goes on his run, uh, and people haven't generated a lineup since, only came out in 2% of those lineups that were generated so far. Brooks, 1.6%. Sungjae, 2%, because we don't know if he's playing or not. Mm -hmm. But it seemed like people still have interest in Sungjae. Everyone else is in the double digits, and then we go 0% Bryson, 0% Tiger, 0% Hatton, 0% Louis, Ben. Yeah, and I get it. People don't want to deal... What are those guys have in common there's glaring issues are they going to play are they hurt a lot of unknowns and it's it's particularly for people and i get it if you're only playing a couple lineups do you really want to click paul casey like <laughs> and just have no chance it's, it's very scary but if you can stomach it at times it can make the difference if you get it right and it's very clear homa and connors are the two plays down here i think that's gonna be obvious to everyone right yeah, I think that's what they're going to do. And like I said, if you just look at the range, though, that's where you can definitely get different with a guy like Louis. Uh, maybe Connors is better than Homa, to your point. I think that's a good call. Louis right there, though. And then I think just going above, though, like I said, you talked a little bit about it up top, but even getting off, you know, if you don't want to play Zalatoris and you're not with us, you still have Burns, Lowry, Berger, Neiman, M. if he plays. These are real-life guys that can definitely top five and could win. Okay, let's rank those guys. Everyone's favorite part of the major championship shows. Rank these players. Because I'm going to have a tough time leaving these guys off my list. I like Zalatoris. I like Burns, Lowry, Berger, and Neiman, and Sungjae. Those six guys, all back-to-back. Can't play them all. Did we have a preference for them? Because I think it's Zalatoris, Neiman, Lowry would be my top three of that bunch. And I feel like those are going to be the top three for everyone. Yeah, they probably will be. I like the Lowry call quite a bit. Like I said, just assuming how it's going to play out. But... I don't know. I've come around on Burger quite a bit. My challenge with Burger is usually in these tougher fields, we don't see the full finish. We see him 30th or 25th or something. And that could help here at this price tag, but it's sort of right at that price where I just need or want a little bit more. Maybe he shows it and gets it done here. So uh, I really do like Sungjae. Probably the most, actually, if he plays. Not just because he's the cheapest of the six you mentioned, but if he plays, I think his all-around stats, and I think he's underpriced. I think, again, the only thing he won't have or show up on your paper is the driving distance. These two power fives are already a tougher reach as we start, and I think he's the guy that's almost like not a, a, not a Morikawa level yet, but before Morikawa even came out, all the pro tours were, uh, tour pros were out there saying, like, this guy strikes the ball like no other. With Sungjae, we know it now. He's one on tour. You go back and look at it. He's going to have a chance here now at this price tag. Go out, place it where he needs needs to get it up tight he's got the complete all-around game and he's only 8400 so hopefully he plays if not i'm with you on sort of the lowry zalatoris and then probably Berger, neiman and burns would come in after for me where do you go with it ben neiman would be for it would be neiman and lowry and then i think you could make a, a case for a lot of these guys sunjay of course pending he's playing would probably be my third but to me neiman and lowry have kind of separated from the rest of the range okay let's go into the sevens Matt Fitzpatrick is right up there. Don't know how people are going to feel about him solely because I think that Homa and or Connors is going to be the one to generate all the buzz in this range that do we get a break on Fitz? Because I, I would really like Fitz at this course. I hope so. I think both those guys right there, actually Finau and Fitz, the Ooh, double F, at the, just underneath, right? They're, they're just two guys that I think have the potential. Could you see a leaderboard on Sunday 
Maybe not with them as the winner. That might be a stretch, but with those two in the top five, I think you could. So at 7,900, maybe you skip the Connors, Louis, Homa type decision and just drop down to these two. But I like Fitz. I think he could come out and get the job done. We didn't talk about what you think the final score is going to be. That'll be subjective all week. We'll get it tighter by Wednesday once minus we hear nine. things. But I, I felt like that. I felt like sort of minus 10. Look, equipment, guys, just in general, everyone's better now. So we always say something and it can go a little lower. But even if it's like 12 under and somehow gets there 13 or something, I don't feel bad about playing a guy like Fitz, even if he does have to grind it back on Sunday to get to that top five, he still feels very fair at 7,900. Ben, do you want to play Cameron Young? Not really. Uh, You know, good player. The only time we've seen any problems is when he's really stepped up in competition, the players and the masters. He's just an absolutely dominating force off the tee. Not opposed to playing him, but I, I like Fleetwood. And then I have certainly a GPP pivot in the same range in my man, Mark Leishman, who I also really like. Yeah, Leishman, the the shine is off, old Malk coming into this. But this is the sort of track Good. where he ends up playing pretty well. Could be a bit windy. You know, like He generally plays well at Augusta. We've seen him play well the at, farmers. Far, yeah, at the Farmers, like these long, hard courses. It's weird when you look at the places where Leishman plays well, it's a lot of the same places Patrick Reed has historically played well. And I think there's something to that because both of them work in and out of trouble nicely at times. Uh, I mean, when, when Leishman wanted the farmers, he hit like zero green some or zero <laughs> fairways and he still worked in and out. So a lot of risk. He's not playing great, but I, I think these this is the range where somebody's going to emerge at, in contention. I, I think you could get a winner from here unlikely winner but a winner nonetheless so in terms of overall ownership i'm thinking of the seven k's fitz finau cam young keegan those are probably the four right henley a little bit people still like him shot rubs off rubs off on uh, russell henley at the moment but pops a lot in the models so i think that could lead to what about gooch 7400 or woodland 73 those guys are a little Gooch, bit on the mind. Did, I don't know. did Gooch make the cut at Byron Nelson? He did not. He did no. not? Was he no. popular? I was kind of out on drafting. So, somewhat. Time. Not as we had the other guys in the upper tiers, and I think he was 8,600 there, but he still was you know, at least a little bit popular. I don't think any of these guys make enough of a difference to me. Like, oh, you've got to play that guy over that guy, this guy over right. this guy. That I'll, you know, I'll eat Mad McNeely and Luke List. Yeah, I was just going to say, too, in this range, especially at a major with the softer pricing and how it sets up, these are actually very good golfers throughout this range. It's not like we're deciding between Corn Ferry Tour guys. So the ownership always does get a little bit more dispersed. And you can just make your decision based off of that. Anybody that's coming in 15% plus, to me, at least in large field, is an easy pivot because who cares? Yeah, they could burn me. And if they do, they do. But there's real life golfers around them that I think can actually go on. And to Ben's point, even at the top, could be a surprise winner. And I like the Leishman call because you, you mentioned like Leachman and Reed, I think it goes really well with your earlier point of guys with good mental state, not making a lot of mistakes, the harder courses. The reason is, is because they know that they're probably not going to make a million birdies. So they're just going to try and not make a bogey. And they're, they know how their game sets up well. They stick with it for four days. And you, you, when you never hit fairways and you're constantly putting yourself in difficult positions at easy places, you know, it gives you good practice for these difficult courses. That's so correct. that's that's not to be overlooked here. <laughs> I'm going to play Matthew Wolf, Ben, because I'm a sucker. I don't know if he'll try to putt out of a bunker this time, but oh I think on paper what he does well is, I mean, we, we saw the flash at Potomac for that one round. It was like, oh, my God, it's happening. And then it completely washed away again. But if he can just capture something here, he's played well in PGA Championships and U.S. Opens before. He has. He's 
a difficult evaluation because when I think of him, I think of 25 under. But you mentioned a couple data points to tell you otherwise. So it's going to be an ownership play. If people saw, uh, you know, Byron Nelson and said, okay, that was, it was just an outlier a couple weeks ago for, for that flash and I have no interest, maybe I'll look. But if, if any interest is there, I'll go to Sergio or Henley and these types right below him. Woodland would be my preference of those guys in that range. Uh, if it's not going to be Wolf, I think that, again, when he played really well, was it Bell Reeve? He played really well the year that Brooks won and Tiger had the huge crowd with the mm-hmm. gallery. Adam Scott is another one in this range that I, I think that does a lot of good. I think it's just, it's not that I don't like the chalky guys like Keegan or Cam Young. It's just, I don't think that they're that much different than the other guys. So right. why do it? Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more with you. That's what I was saying earlier. Anybody that's going to just get it for for no reason here, it's for no reason. And why I say that is because, like I said, there's just other guys there. Ben mentioned some. You Scott Fleetwood, uh, Sergio. I like like Ben had mentioned. You mentioned List earlier. Uh, all these guys are in play, and to me, are basically the same dude. So I, I have no problem going to Woodland, who you brought up. I, I'm not with you on Wolf. I don't no, care no about, one's going to be with me on Wolf. Yeah, he I sucks. Yeah, I don't care about the outlier. And if he does pop. He pops. It's four full days. You don't got your four par fives here to lean on or anything that you can just sort of find that upside with some of the guys around him. If he does it, he does it. But uh, And then Casey, who we didn't talk about, but uh, we've, I've been playing him at all these withdrawals, just my 15%. I don't go and complain about it after. You should. We- you should complain on Twitter to change the rules of oh, uh, DraftKings PGA, although it's illegal to. As a, I, feel, yeah. I feel like people need to know that. I that d- the reason that there isn't late yeah. swap in DraftKings PGA or any individual sport on DraftKings or DFS sites is that it's against DFS law. The way that it's written, that's the only way that this can be legal. And frankly, I don't know how legal it is to begin with. And that was sort of the discussion at the time that this yeah. is how we're going to push it through. It's something to treat it as like each round is a separate like event. Right. And that way it can be kind of counted as a team sport. Like it's really weird. No, the you way just that said that was the it. point. You had to correct me on it. I've been wrong on this before. And you had to text me. You're like, chill, dude. It's not, you don't want to go too far with this because here's why. And I was like, thank you. Because I actually didn't know. Now trying to help others understand and just inform them because they ask for it every day. It would just be easy to do this. It's not. You can't. And I know what it was because when it went back to it, the reason you get to play Showdown Golf right now, which we all love, free shows, Thursday and Friday night, Mayo Media Network. Nice plug. Good plug. Runpuresports.com. Hey, put it in there too. Let's go. But I will say that the reason you have those events is because the furthest they could take it down from going from a full event to an individual sport event was rounds one, two, three, and four. They can't take it down to tea times for you and call every single group a separate event. And that's where the challenge lies. And and then there's ownership factors, knowing the ownership before it comes out, all these other things that they can't do. So as of now, they can't. And I'll say this, I don't know Ben's opinion. I'm curious actually that we got on the tangent, but you want to make it, like a lot of people are saying this, let's just make it seven golfers. Like it used to be, I think it was fantasy draft or something back in the day. And we'll drop a score. I think you'll be changing your tune on that when you see some of the guys that do this full-time and play professionally, that we now get to that, not have that, to make our 1v1. That is the number one thing that I try to explain because the people yeah. who get upset aren't the pros. It's yeah. not you. It's not Ben. It's not anyone that I see. I think people get frustrated by For it. For sure. 100%. And I listen, I empathize with that. It sucks when your guy fucking Money's money. Wrong. You don't want to lose money. Of course. And it's, ha- like, it's happened to me enough times because these are like, man, I, I play Siwoo Kim. Yeah. He hasn't WD'd in a while, but he went through a stretch where it's, I'm playing him every week and just, oh, yeah, it's, it's a WD. Fantastic news. I'm dead this week. But you want to give you an advantage, Ben an advantage. I mean, hell, how would Osimo treat this, Ben? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, what the number one point I would make would be I don't think people understand that if you get more decision points during the tournament, the tools that so, the sites have, including Osimo, really give you a huge edge and that edge is going to be 
uh, probably to your detriment if you're a casual player. Like you don't want the ability to, for people to get a, an insight into the ownership and then be able to make late swaps on their team. That would be a disaster for you. You're much better, like in the NBA, it's always a hot topic of upping the variance and saying, I'm going to have some withdrawals, but so is the field. And sometimes it'll be to my, you know, people always forget that. What about the week when the 20% owned guy withdraws and you didn't play him? And now you're playing beyond rake Frey. Yeah. Don't see them on there talking then, do we, Ben? They're not on yeah, there I, saying anything at that point. Oh, they're so happy sitting at home. It's It happens, right? It's it's almost like poker, though, where people out. lose jacks to aces. Yeah, you go. someone goes all in, just blind shoves. You call with aces, aces get cracked. Yeah, and, and, and then they, they only remember the time it happened to them. They forget about the times they've done it and won tournaments because of it or beat their friends for all their money on a Friday evening. So it's just that exact same thing. Yeah, it's just that the advantage would rest with the guy that played, the guys that are on top of it playing 150 lineups and have access to the tools. Yeah far more than hell even me who's just i'm not going to keep up with it i talk about on this show during DraftKings nfl season how important late swap is you know how often i late swap not very probably often. never yeah exactly not very often yeah yeah it's it's also that's a lot of time to be like you you know how long the tea times are you're gonna be just <laughs> sitting there for hours on end wait like that i'm glad it locks when it does and uh, I have, this is someone who played a lot of CT pan this week. So yeah. it's not, we, we lost money happens. on pan too. And I love what Ben said earlier in the Louie conversation. It's like, everyone talks about the Friday cut sweat and then the Sunday the sweat down the stretch, the Wednesday sweat or the Wednesday cut sweat is like the uh, withdraw sweat is like another one in itself. So I kind of like that. Uh, Brian Harmon WD from the Byron Nelson. It didn't seem like he was hurt though. It just seemed like he didn't want to play. So he's in the field here. He's down in the low $7,000 area. No Phil, no English, as we pointed out. Casey's hurt, may or may not play. So if we had to go with four from this range, I'm very good with List. I'm very good with McNeely. I always like playing McNeely at courses that have very, very small greens. And when I talked to Troy Martin, he said these greens are basically like Pebble Beach type greens. Like they're so small. Okay. Second place there to Daniel Berger when when McNeely was there had his best run. Oh yeah, that's right. So, so but he also the, just made three eagles yesterday. We're recording this on Saturday, of course. Of the Byron Nelson still waiting to get to a conclusion there tomorrow. But the point would be, uh, I don't know if he'll pick up steam. But the better McNeely does this week, you tie in some of those things you just said. I think would bring a little bit more ownership to him, and maybe he's okay. Like you said, maybe he doesn't get that much, and probably a good play for that reason at seventy one hundred. Wolf is kind of yolo to me. There's something with Woodland that I like about this course. The other guy that I was wrapping my mind around ben is coke rack good on bent don't want to see him have to hit it out of a bunker unfortunately because i mean he won at colonial last year and i thought he kept leaving it in the bunker every time he had to chip he was just god awful but i don't know what to do with him at 73 because i think he fits really well yeah he is a tough one and he's shown that even he's bled like he he had a really good finish at valspar and he still bled around the green but he masked it. He gets his putter. I don't know what he did, uh, but he fixed it. And that used to be the, the double lethal combo, bad around the green, bad putter like Grio. Now he just has one of the two. So he can he can get by there. I'm not sure I'm going to get to him in any major capacity, but I, I see the angle for him to be successful here. All right, I'm throwing him on the short list. So who would be your four, do you think? I think I had five, and it's just close. But uh, Phenom fits at the top. I definitely like both those Fs. Like I said, I think there's two things to it. One, I think they're, you know, they're both really good and capable of getting to the top. Two, I like that they're sort of below those 8K guys that people might have some recency bias towards or just always like to play in a guy like Corey Connors. And then going down from there, I like Sergio. I like List. 
And I like one more. Who was I going to say? Oh, Casey. I'll leave him as my my wild card because Casey for me is like your wolf. It's like I'm willing to lose money on this guy if he WDs before his tee time. So we had, hey, we don't know tee times yet. Maybe he gets an early tee time and we will know before lock and I can still swap my lineup. So, but I'm still interested in Casey at 7,400. Your boy, uh, Rick Fowler. He's no, down here. He's not my boy. <laughs> not going to Rick? No, I'm definitely not. Uh, I don't like this, like 70, basically McNeely at 71. I can do that. Van Royen, I have interest. Got to figure it out a little bit more, but like everyone else below here, I, I, I don't really like. I have one. I'm probably terrible, but I'm going to try it again anyway. Harold Varner, HV3. Uh, he's, he's carrying ownership. It's, he popped up when I was doing a ton of research. It, okay. uh, but now he's like he's got guys like Norin who maybe from this week will stem over. There's other guys there that people could play. But I, I've liked him a little bit more. The Saudi win was one thing to sort of get the ball rolling for this season. But uh, he can play good at these courses, these tougher tracks. It was, and I know some people are already bringing up Beth Page Black towards this type of setup in this course. List. He, list. Uh, but but Werner, mind you, did shoot an 81 on Sunday while Brooks went on to win. Uh, he was in that final group going back to that point as well. So I just think it's just an all-around tougher course. I think HV3 could pop. What do you see down here, Ben? Because I was looking at Bez, but I don't want to do that, do I? No, you don't want to do that. Uh, You know, in the lower sevens, yeah, Sergio would probably be my preferred target. Uh, Norin, the long course does concern me, but everything else, I really do like the way he's playing. I've played him a lot uh, this year. He's making cuts. He's got a runner-up at Farmers, which I, I have been talking as a comp. You got Peters. You know what? All the hard courses he's played, he's played well. I mean, he was sixth in Phoenix, top 40 at the Farmers. He was fifth at the Honda, 12th at Valspar. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, even, he's European. Like, he's he's dealt with all sorts of shenanigans with courses. Like, he, he can handle it. Uh, and he's flat seven. The price is right for him. I just don't know what else I want to do in this range. I looked at Jameis. I don't think I can do it. I looked at the real solution, by the way, for withdrawals is no matter what you get Thomas Peters, like that would be a good rule I could get behind yeah. uh, for people. But I don't think I can get to Peters either. He's just out of control right now. Six K's as mentioned, Lonto and Hadwin, I think are going to garner ownership. Keith Mitchell is another one. I really do like Keith Mitchell this week. I think everyone's going to like Keith Mitchell this week for good reason. Aaron Wise and Mito though, Ben, just pop when I ran the stat model course you got the elites down here aaron wise once you get him in the big game uh very very dangerous he, he's playing well at byron too so he's gonna be my target obviously but munoz is right there what do you think happens if he wins byron nelson i don't know it, it would i think that his ownership would probably be higher if he came third at byron nelson than winning byron i'd agree nelson. with that <laughs> yeah true but is this a course for munoz like doesn't feel like it like Craig, no. the Bunny Ranch seems like a course for Munoz. <laughs> the Bunny Ranch seems and like Ryan a place Palmer. for for Pat Perez or something. Yeah. But uh... I, you know what? Here's one for you: Stewart Sink. This reeks of a Stewart Sink course, not to win, obviously, but oh, there's Stewart Sink. He's T13. Feels like that. Yeah. Like oh, you need to be two under and hit a bunch of greens in regulation. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, I don't hate it. Didn't he just pop recently? I think too. I, I didn't look it up before I came on, but I do think. Uh, that's interesting. The one I was going to say, like, I don't think it's a, a Munoz or a Wise course. I, and I know Ben loves Aaron Wise. I, I like him. I play a lot of Aaron Wise, played a lot of them this week, even with the ownership. I thought, good play, and he's doing okay, and, and maybe that will bring more to him. But I'm going to play the guy right above him, 100 bucks more, uh, 
talent that not as many people will go to as much as his name will get mentioned won't get clicked is Bobby Mack, Robert McIntyre. I like Bobby Been Mack. great in majors. He's long off the tee, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. We want him at something that's like a 10 under type, in my opinion. So I think it's you know more interesting to go to someone like him where even though he'll get brought up throughout the week and you'll hear people mention him, he won't cross into like double digit ownership like some of these other guys will. And I think like, again, can Wise do it? Sure. Could Munoz? They can. These guys are good talents, which we expect to see at a PGA Championship down here. But it reminds you of this past week. Like I have no idea why people thought Adam Hadwin would be good at a, a course with four par fives. It was his recent form, but that's not what this course was. And now we're flipping it. And now I want the course, I want a guy, again, it doesn't be, need to be a three under grind. I'm saying like you just mentioned with Sink, the younger version could be Bobby Mack. I, I like a guy like him at 6,900. I, I, I feel like the slightly younger version, Ben, is uh, our guy, Bernd Wiesberger. He's 6,600 bucks. Mack Hughes is there too. Now, not playing great old Mac Hughes. But this is just the type of course where it's like, oh yeah, he doesn't fit this whatsoever, T3. <laughs> uh, no doubt. I mean, you compare him with Cam Smith and Speed. Yeah, feel the feel the burn is there. My man, Henrik Stenson. No, uh, pass. Yeah, it's gotta be a pass. Like we got we, like we got Lori Cantor, Higo, Horsfield. Like we have a bunch of these Euro players that are here. Min Woo, uh, uh, already uh, Arnes, he just won. Yeah, ooh. A, 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 is Adri Arnaus won over the DP Tour World Championship, one of the events uh, a couple weeks ago. Dick, there. Dick Cam Bla- Davis, Dick Bland, yeah, Cam Davis actually, Cam Davis and Ryan Fox, I do like. Yeah, I like the I like the Cam Davis call. Could definitely go back there again if you talk about a tiebreaker on distance. But he has other capability. Cam Davis is going to be very volatile, but he can get the around the green game cooking for you. He can do some of that stuff that can still make a run at it. And then just to go down and comment one last thing, like the Adam Hadwin versus Lanto thing. It's what I just said earlier. Like, flip it. I hope people play less Hadwin and more Lanto because Lanto's crushing this week at the course I would expect him to crush at versus Hadwin makes way more. Like, Hadwin was good at, what, the players, Valspar, courses that are going to be, again, not comparable from a course perspective, but the type of tournament, the types of field strength, all of those factors, and the price is there. I don't know if you have to go down there. We've mentioned enough guys above and just plenty of them in the sevens, but I do think that would be a little bit more interesting if you were going to go all the way down. Question for the crowd. What does Davis Riley do well? And how does he keep having top finishes? Very good. I can't figure it out. Every Everything. All-around game. I think it's, again, people just sleeping on him like they don't know him as well. You and I have talked on the Wednesday shows plenty of times where he's not going to... You almost need to give him a skill bump to make him pop and stuff because most people that are looking and comparing ownership projections to how good the guys are in the range for a pivot, they don't put him there, but it's because the books take in money and don't care. But he basically plays... He, oh, he's roommates with Willie Zalatoris. He's played with them at the team event. They go out for you know weekday rounds with Tony Romo and play golf for big money, all that stuff. The guy is very talented. I know uh, Josh Perry of the Action network he just loves davis riley's talked about him forever all-around skill set complete game in two of his past four starts bet he's gained at least seven strokes putting mm-hmm. yeah that helps i mean <laughs> if he doesn't do that forget it so i i'm not playing davis Riley. he's a mega talent there's no doubt but i think that you could get i'd rather play Horsefield right below him if i had to uh, i don't know about that Horsefield's contending right now as we speak I know he started slow this morning in, in round three, but uh, he's up at the top near the uh, the, the top in the Sudal or whatever it was called. The one, the the one in Belgium? Yeah. 
Yeah, this is in the mix. That's a, a noted comp course for this. <laughs> obviously. Uh, uh, Davis Riley, man, like one thing too is it was talking about. He is a very good putter, and that's why the whole team event thing. Everyone was expecting them to crush. He drives well too. He does. That's what I was gonna say. And if you go back, like Valspar, that second was no joke. Mexico Open fifth. Like he, he's got other recent finishes that would say that he can be in the mix. Uh, it's interesting enough that we'll get to see. You know, this would be the first time really to see him in a, a big time event like this. At least of, as of late, at sixty eight hundred though, I think you can definitely take some shots. On him. Is there an ownership threshold with Keith Mitchell, Ben, that, yeah, I'll play him if he's below X number? I mean, if it gets crazy, uh, I, like Keith Mitchell, listen, Keith Mitchell makes a lot of sense and he's going to stand out down here. But let's not think that Keith Mitchell isn't above talking about, you know, living and di- dying in a bunker. Like he, he could have some serious problems. So if he's really popular and I can get one fourth the ownership, one fifth the ownership on Glover and, and I don't know about Stenson, but people, <laughs> other people, uh, I will look to that. But I have a feeling that Keith Mitchell will be the safety valve for most down here. Let's play the best plays. Try to construct a lineup. Unless there's something else that you guys want to talk about in terms of roster construction, a player that we didn't get to. I'll open the floor to everyone. What, one last thing just to finalize, I think what Ben was saying, there's just back to my original point on the 6K range. Almost everyone that we brought up in the 6K range, we had something else to add on. But if this happens, we're screwed. Or if this, then that. That's why I'm saying, like, I would take your stands, pick your spots. But like I said to you earlier, Pat, I like spreading it out up top and then sort of making some stands down low and just getting after it that way. Let's play the best plays. Can we construct a play the best plays lineup? The one that we built for Potomac two weeks ago, crush. Yeah, it was very good. It was my best lineup of the week. <laughs> it was a very it, like, wasn't close. Yeah. It was like my, one of my only six of sixes. It was great. Yeah. Uh, so where do we go here? Where do you think the start is? Is Justin Thomas the start for the play of the best plays? I think so. At least as of now. In the middle of the top five? Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder how much this is going to change. And this always does change. I remember we built the one for the players and like, it was completely wrong by the time that Wednesday rolled around. It's just we're trying to cap, like snapshot a moment right now of how we think this is going to turn out. I, I think it is going to be Thomas, and then we go down to Cam. Do we want? I think we put Cam Young because it's the as of now best plays lineup in our mind and where we think people will go. He would fit that mold again. People could come off of him by the time we get there, but he really does pop in everything, and he has played well at pretty much every style of course you've him given and him. Connors. Yeah, him like, and I think yeah, Connors, Connors too. Yep, yep. So Thomas, Young, Connors. We have 7,900 left for the three spots. We do think, do we think that people go to the Hadwin Lanto? I, I think because it's a major and because we have those, we should utilize one of them down at the bottom. I don't know who it is, but uh, I think you should do that so we can build with a little bit more upside up top. With Lanto having the better week than Hadwin right now, it's probably going to be Lanto, I would guess. Although, scanning the early ownership percentages from down here, uh, let's see, yeah, Lanto has been generated in over 20% of people's lineups. He's he's the guy that everyone's going to be on right now and yeah. t- talk themselves out of it well, by yeah. the time Wednesday comes along. Other than that, it's Mito, Munoz, Chris Kirk. Those are the three that are really drawing a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I think we got to go Lanto. Like, based on the T15, the T6, and in the mix this weekend already, and at that price, he goes into the best plays lineup. So that leaves us $8,700 for two spots. Does that get us to, let's say we use Fitz. Uh, does that mean we go Fitz and DJ? Does that mean we go Cantlay and someone? Something like that? What do, you, what do you think here, Ben? It looks like... Uh... Zalatoris Neiman? Oh, Zalatoris Neiman. There. Oh, I just yeah, clicked that's... into that. That's the build. That's actually a good build. That's actually, yeah, it's not bad. I like I, it. I don't like Lanto. Just just put in Ryan Fox. She'll be fine. There you go. Do you think 
and obviously not for this lineup, but while I was scrolling down to the depths, do you think anyone, including you, are going to play uh, Tom Kim or whatever this dude's name is at 63? Ju Young Kim and goes by Tom Kim, and he's having himself a tournament as me we speak. Me really when, is. Do you remember when we all bet on Tom yeah. Kim at like the, the, for wrong. the Fortnite yep. two years ago? Yeah, didn't and then the books And then the books didn't know what his name was. And they, they blamed it on that when they cut the tickets off? Yeah. I believe that's what it was. Didn't we get him like 400 to 1? I think, it was, I think it was like 1,000 to 1. It was something, something huge insane. with each ways, and then they popped us down to something stupid, like 40, and we're like, oh, we'll just take what we can get at this point, but... I have no idea. Listen, he's having a run at the Byron Nelson right now. That's great. Maybe he plays easy courses really well. Maybe he plays hard courses really well. I mean, your boy 4chan is probably the better the better Kim to go with down there, right? I mean, if Bi if Bio Kim was here, he is here. You guys would have Bio, problems. Bio Kim oh. is in the field. He's sixty one hundred. field. What? Yeah. <laughs> he, he just won oh, too. Suspension. Yeah. Didn't he win recently? What was the dude's name that had the insane swing? Oh. Now that guy, he's the guy going. with like the twirling. Swing. Yeah, yeah. No, he's certainly not here. Oh, um, I forgot. I don't even name. know what I would Google to remember him until I try and look crazy that up. swing. Aaron, Ro I feel like Aaron Rodgers was connected to this. Patty Harrington, sixty one hundred. He's having a good week on the Champions Tour right now. Yeah, a lot of these guys Ho were mentioned. Show. Ho Sung Show. Ho Sung Show. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, does this? I don't know why DraftKings give me an error. Says this best plays lineup is exceeding the salary limit, but it doesn't look like it. So uh, let me try to enter it. Entered for me. Yeah. There you so go. the play the best plays lineup for the week. It starts oh. with Justin Thomas, and then it's Neiman and Zalatoris in the middle, along with Connors, Lanto at the bottom, Cam Young in the seven thousand dollar range. That will be the play the best plays lineup for the PGA Championship in twenty twenty two. I shall return on Monday with Jeff Feinberg for bets. Tuesday with Rick Gaiman, player-by-player -player breakdown. Live Wednesday, noon Eastern time, live chat with Tambo. And then we're off to the races. More info in the newsletter, more info on DraftKingsNation.com for cheat sheets and write-ups and everything like that. Stats and tools, FantasyNational.com slash Mayo. Link is in the description for the listeners link. Let's fill that up. Ben, what do you got going on this week? Yeah, so over at Osmo, certainly we're gearing up for the PGA Championship. We'll have shows throughout the week, our tools uh, from ownership to projections to leverage. You know, just a great way to build if you're getting started in golf or you just want to try something new for the week. We certainly have deals and promos. Awesomeo.com slash promos. We would love to see as part of the community. Tambo, runpuresports.com, obviously back on Wednesday. Did you know that if you subscribe, rate, and review five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave your Twitter handle or email in said review that you, sir, can be in a draw for a hundred bucks multiple hundred dollar giveaways me you you wow. and you out there the people can do that too so i would say go take advantage of that but you'll be back on mayo media network monday night with kenny i assume kenny's back yep. this week yep. we'll uh, for a full breakdown the fantasy golf degenerates and then showdown you got a lot going on yeah we got a lot going on you mentioned it run pure sports mayo media network we'll have all the shows out kenny and i are actually going to record sunday evening Ooh. so we'll come out a little bit earlier with the the larger than life listener league not as large as the pat mayo listener league which you guys should all get in i'm already got my three entries in there i'll be back with the run pure sports premium show on wednesday myself and big t with uncle t big t's on a heater right now so if you aren't over at run pure when sports, isn't big t on a heater uh, i don't know that's a good question but right now especially i think it's a uh, you know like 250k or something over the last month so i uh, want to get in there if you want to use promo code 
DGEN50, D-E-G-E-N-5-0. Get yourself 50% off your first month. And then, of course, back for the showdown shows throughout the, the major championship this week. That'll do it for me. Sub to Mayo Media Network. Smash a like on the way out. And I hope that you had a good Byron Nelson. You win even more money at the PGA Championship, whether it be betting on DraftKings. But until I see you then on Monday, I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!